Okay, let's take your notes. Does everybody have notes? You got to have notes. If you don't have the notes, raise your hand. Now, I want to draw your attention to the title at the top. You are seeds. Dot, 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 to be planted. What in the world does that mean? You are seeds. This is how God wants you to represent him to the world. This is how God wants you to connect with the world, engage with the world. You are seeds to be planted. Now, last Sunday, Reg launched a new series entitled Gospel Seeds, Planting and Watering. Those five words can be a mouthful, gospel, seeds, planting, and watering. So for this six-part series on the agricultural metaphor of the New Testament, let's just reduce it down to gospel seeds. Now, Reg shared this last week. All surveys unanimously tell us that the scariest Christian activity that we're called to do is what? Anybody? Witnessing. Evangelism. Now, there are many reasons why witnessing is scary. For example, it's what the Bible calls the world, the flesh, and the devil, and these are always hammering on us. But another reason witnessing is scary is because the church, the big C church, I'm speaking in in generalities here, but the church has made it scary. The church has turned evangelism into an academic activity that requires training and seminars and books and outlines and illustrations and memorization. You got to memorize stuff. You got to memorize an outline. So let me try to illustrate this with a question. If you really saw a good movie, I mean a movie that just, that just hits you emotionally, a movie that gripped you like, like Top Gun Maverick, right? After you walk out of that theater, what are you going to do in the coming days about that movie? Tell me. You're going to tell somebody, right? No. Don't you dare. You can't tell somebody about a movie until you've taken a class on how to tell somebody about a movie. You have to be trained on how to tell somebody about a movie that really hit you emotionally, right? You see, the reason you tell somebody is because you just have to tell somebody because you were emotionally moved. Same thing is true of a new restaurant or a book or a recipe. Listen to this response card from last week. This person wrote, I was looking forward to this series, but dreading it also for the very reason you started off with, Reg was sharing how sharing our faith can be scary for a lot of us. This person goes on to say, thanks for validating our normal reactions to witnessing, tackling our fears, and giving us hope. We can all pray, care, and share. And thanks for being honest about not always having the words to say. I assume that you and others like you had words to say, and it was just me who couldn't come up with what to say. So thank you. Men and women, students, this series, Gospel Seeds, is going to set you free. It's going to set our church free. 
Now, for those of you who weren't here last week, if Jesus were standing here and I said, Jesus, you know, evangelism and witnessing and representing you to the world, could you explain what it's all about? He would answer with one word. What would that word be? Agriculture or farming. You see, God has given us a picture a metaphor in the New Testament on how he wants us to represent him to the world, how he wants us to engage the world, how he wants us to connect the world, what kind of relationships we should have with the world, and the picture is farming. In other words, we are to approach people the same way a farmer farms. Now, last week, Reg started the series with the process of spiritual farming, of the agricultural picture in the New Testament. He said that that there are three basic elements in the New Testament picture. Number one, you got to have seed. Here's a bag of sunflower seeds. Number two, you have to have dirt. You got to have a field. So every farmer's got to have dirt. So let me give you some dirt here. This is the field. And number three, you have to have water. So in the metaphor, in the picture of the New Testament that God has given us on how he wants us to relate to the world, seed, soil, and water. And that's all that's necessary. This week, we're going to talk about seed. By the way, how do, you, how do you eat an elephant, anybody? Yeah, uh, so this week we're going to talk about seed. There are two seeds in the agricultural picture. This week I'm going to cover one of the seeds, and then Reg will follow up with the second seed. So I, ca- I can't give you the whole enchilada one time, right? Just week by week. You have to have seed in order to have a harvest whether it's corn, soybeans, or people coming to Christ. No seed, no harvest. The New Testament picture of agriculture tells us that there are two kinds of seed. This morning, we're going to talk about the first kind of seed, and that is you are seed. God looks upon you as seed. Take your Bibles, and let's jump into Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13 is a very interesting passage because it covers, it's called the great parentheses. The chapter is the time period between the first coming and the second coming of Christ. For centuries, the Jewish people had waited for their Messiah and their deliverer and the kingdom that the Messiah was going to set up on the earth. The Jews longed for the promised throne of David to once again uh, be established forever on the earth. And that was the offer of Jesus to the Jewish nation. Listen to his words in Matthew 4.17. Matthew said, from that time Jesus began to preach. So this is what Jesus preached. Repent. In other words, change your mind. For the kingdom of heaven is near. But they didn't like the offer. 
They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like his offer of the kingdom. And so they rejected Jesus. Nationally, they rejected Jesus. And they rejected his kingdom. Matthew chapter 13 follows that rejection. And it's this time period that today we call the church age, between his first and his second coming. In other words, Matthew chapter 13 is today. And in this chapter, Jesus reveals the characteristics of this period of time that we're living between his first and second coming. Okay, let's go to our Bibles. Now, do you have uh, titles above your paragraphs? Go, go to chapter 13, verse 1. What is the par- uh, title above the paragraph there? What's it say? The parable of the what? Sower. Okay. Go to chapter 13, verse 24. What is the paragraph title? Say the parable of the what? The weeds, right? Now, go to chapter 13, verse 36. Parable of what? The weeds explain. Follow along as I read. Let's begin in chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. In helping us understand what is called the church age, Jesus gave us eight parables, eight stories in this chapter. Let's pick up the reading in chapter 13, verse 36. Then he left the crowds, and he went back into the house that he came out of in verse 1. And his disciples came to him saying, Lord, what are you talking about? Could you help us connect the dots? Could you explain to us the story, the parable of the weeds of the field? Verse 37, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. This passage is so practical in helping us understand what God wants us to do in our community and in our world. In fact, men and women, when when we wrap our heads and hearts around these verses, it's going to turn our church inside out. Now, let me set the stage by making three observations on your notes in relation to the process of farming and the role of seed. Observation number one. Look at verse 37. The one who sows this good seed is, notice it's capital letters, the son of man. Who is the son of man in this story? It's Jesus. Jesus is the farmer. Jesus is the one who is sowing the seed. This is Jesus right here. He's the farmer. He's sowing the seed. Observation number two, look at the first phrase of verse 38. It says, the field is the world. Jesus is the farmer, and this is his field. Now, 
we know that farmers are not going to plant their seed in someone else's field. They're going to plant their, their seed in, in their own field. This is God's field. The world is his world. And in this agricultural metaphor, this picture in the New Testament on how God wants us to relate to not yet believers, it's his world. Observation number three. Look at the second phrase of verse 38. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Now, I want you to look at that adjective in verse 38. It says the good seed. But what makes the seed good? What makes the seed good is a right relationship with the farmer. Good means righteous, right standing with God. In other words, we're talking about Christians. We're talking about Christ followers. And they're, they're referred to as good seed as contrasted to the seed in verse 39. We are called weeds sowed by the devil. Now remember, we're talking about the church age. Talking about the time period between the first and second coming of Christ. We're talking about Christ followers. We're talking about you and me. So let's put it all together, these three observations. Number one, who's the farmer in the story? What's his name? Jesus. Okay. And, and what is Jesus' field? The world. All right. Now, the next question could change the way you live your life. The next question could change the way you go to work or go to school or go shopping or go into a restaurant. The next question could turn our church inside out. The next question could pick up our church and rattle us, shake us. Who is the good seed? Tell me. Believers, Christ followers, Christians, God looks upon you as seed. You are in the hand of Jesus in this picture, and that's you right there. You are seed in this story. That's how God wants you to look upon yourself. Your identity as a follower of Christ is that you are seed. Now, let me share some applications that flow from the answers out of these three questions. Seed application number one. Jesus is sowing you into the world. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13, and let's pick it up at verse 37. The guy said, could you help us connect the dots? In verse 37, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. You are the good seed. You are, a Christ, you are Christ followers, and God is sowing you into the world. This is Jesus, he's the farmer, and he's got you in his hands, and he is sowing you into the world. This bag of sunflower seeds holds sunflower seeds, but this worship center right here, the church building, all of you right here, this is like a bag of seeds, this worship center. And so this is a bag of Sunflower seeds, and, and this room is a bag of good seed in the metaphor in the New Testament. You can have the confidence that God has sown you into the fields where you live, where you work, 
where you go to school, where you play, where you shop. Listen, you, you may not like your job. You may have a difficult work situation. You might not like a particular teacher. Your boss might be a jerk. Fellow employees are a pain. Men and women, students, young people, you can have the confidence that you are where you are because God wants you where you are, because he planted you into that field, his field. Seed application number two. Listen, we have to learn. We have to learn. We, we have to make decisions. We have to have the eyes to see. We, we have to learn to see the places where we spend time as fields that God has planted us in in order to plant ourselves because we are seed. So we're talking about in our families. Some of you still you have non-believers in your family or extended family, in, in your neighborhood, your job, your school, your favorite restaurant, where you buy groceries. Wherever you go and you have contact with non-believers in this picture, this metaphor, that's called a field. In other words, fields are places where you're around not yet believers. Seed application number three. To be sown, seed must come in contact with the soil. What is the purpose of seed? The purpose of seed is to be planted. But let me play, uh, say it another way. Another purpose of seed is to get dirty. In order to be planted, you're going to get dirty. Seeds are not designed to stay in the barn. Seeds are not designed to stay within the seed bag. You will get, quote, unquote, dirty when planting yourself into the soil of the lives of non-believers in your fields. Let me show you what I mean. I want to plant this sunflower seed. So I reach into the seed bag, and the sunflower seed goes, no, 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 ah, no, pick someone up, pick him. No, the seed next to me, no, no, please. I love the seed bag. It is so comfortable in here. It feels good. I'm around other seeds. We're all alike. No, please don't lift up. No, no, no. That's what we're called to be, seeds in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, the farmer. It's his world. It's his field. Let me introduce you to a man. His name is Mickey. He's a Christ follower. And Mickey works on the shop floor in in an industry here in in our city. This is what God has done to Mickey. You ready? (laughs) Let me introduce you to Minnie. (laughs) Minnie is a high school junior at Warsaw High School. And, And this is what God 
has done to many. And you know what happens when God plants us into the soil of non-believers in the fields that he has planted us into? You get dirty. You get dirty. Filthy dirty. Now let me be clear here. I'm not talking about some kind of loosey-goosey attitude about sin. God does not want you to sin. You can be around sinners and you do not have to sin. God does not want you to live in sin, walk in sin. Sin is displeasing to God. Sin like takes off the breastplate of righteousness because you're living unrighteously. Sin is disastrous because it gives Satan an opportunity to mess with your mind. But God does understand that you're going to get quote unquote dirty when you plant yourself into the soil of the lives of non-believers, and this is what you're going to look like. Because it's a dirty world. I think Jesus is the supreme example of getting dirty. How about John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word in heaven, and the Word was with God a place of purity, righteousness, cleanliness, holiness, a place of blinding spiritual light, a place of truth. And then the word became flesh. John 1, 14, men and women, is a dirty verse. And the word became flesh. Jesus Christ In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word came down into into humanity, and God became a man and planted himself into humanity by becoming a man and made his dwelling among us. And the Word became flesh. If we follow the example of Jesus, we need to incarnate ourselves. We need to flesh out. We need to plant ourselves in the lives of non-believers in our fields. It's all about connecting. It's all about relationships. It's all about engaging. You may say like the card from last week, but I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know how to start conversation. Listen, the easiest way to start a conversation with anybody is just ask them questions. You can start a question, you can start a conversation with anybody at any time, anywhere. Just ask a question. It starts off, how are you? Where were you born and raised? And you're off and running. So we wanted to give you some suggestions. Now, if you have a bulletin, we're giving you suggested conversation starters. Last week we gave you, we're gonna give you 27 suggestions. Last week, we gave you one and two of 27, and this week, we have three and four. For those of you who have a bulletin, I think we ran out of bulletins, but if you don't have a bulletin, just listen. The conversation starter is called, what then, or then what? So let's say you're in a restaurant, and your server's really young, and you ask the question um, about the future. You say, do you go to school? Yeah. 
Where? Warsaw High School. Oh, okay. What year are you? Junior. Um, what are you going to do after high school? I'll probably go to college. And what are you going to do after college? Uh, probably get a job. Then what? Well, get married. Then what? Well, start a family. Then what? Build up my retirement account. Then what? Get old. Then what? Guess I'll die. <laughs> then what? I've had people respond this way to this seed. That's a good question. Number four, you never see U-Haul trailers hooked to a hearse headed to a cemetery. This seed can be planted in a matter of seconds by asking, what would you think if you saw a U-Haul trailer attached to a hearse on the way to the cemetery? Or have you ever seen a U-Haul trailer attached to a hearse on the way to the cemetery? What's the point? You can't take it with you. So, so it's a little futile, futile to find your, your worth and your value and your identity in stuff because the stuff doesn't follow you to the grave. What are the some ways you might get dirty when planting yourself into the soil of non-believers? You may have to smell their smoke or their vape. Listen to their jokes. Tolerate their language. Tolerate their attitudes. Put up with their sarcasms. Be patient with their skepticisms. Live with their lies. God's called us to be dirty and to plant ourselves into our soils, into the lives of non-believers. Why does God want us to get dirty? For God so loved the world, and he wants to give non-believers the opportunity to be around people who are spiritually alive, people who radiate spiritual light, who walk in truth, who have a white-hot love relationship with Jesus, who have an instantaneous communication connection with the God who really does rule the universe, people who have been set free from the bondage of sin, Satan, and fear. That's why he's called us to get dirty. We've got to be around non-believers in order to radiate and represent Christ. We have to be in their lives, connecting with them, conversing with them, engaging them. God wants to turn our church inside out. Seed application number four. To bear fruit, seed must die. Look at John 12, 24 on your notes. Unless a kernel of grain falls to the ground, right here, unless it falls to the ground and then covered up and dies, that seed's got to die, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Philippians 2.8, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, this is a sunflower seed. So let me ask you, what is the structure of this seed? What's on the outside? What do we call it? A shell. And where's the seed? Inside the shell. What's the purpose of the shell? It's to protect the seed. 
And in order for the design to work, the seed, the shell has to break apart. The shell has to crack. The shell has to disintegrate. And then when the seed comes in contact with the soil, men and women, there's power there in farming. It's called germination. There's an explosion of power, and then new life grows and fruit develops. Inside of us is the glory of God. But many of us hide God's glory behind protective shells of inferiorities, insecurities, personalities, fears, prejudice, pride. In order for the seed to interact with the soil, those outward shells have got to die. You've got to deny them. You've got to blast through them, disintegrate them, blow them apart. And then immerse yourself with the world, with non-believers. What are some practical ways we can do this? You may have to die in relation to your time. Spend time with non-believers. You may have to die in relation to your preferences. You may have to die in relation to your reputation. When I was on staff at the Long Beach Grace Brethren Church in Southern California, I was chilling one day walking in the Los Cerritos shopping center. And inside the shopping center was a metroplex, a, a movie theater. And there was a guy from my church buying a ticket. And uh, I was curious. Back then, they showed X-rated movies in, in the movie theater. And so I stood out in the, in the hallway in, in the mall, and I watched him walk into the X-rated movie theater. What am I going to do? Pray for him? No. I'm going to go rescue him. So I walked up to the ticket lady and I said, um, excuse me, I said, I'm a pastor of a church here in Long Beach. And one of my uh, people in my church just went into the X-rated movie theater and she said, what kind of a church do you pastor anyway? <laughs> Reputation, right? I said, listen, I just want to go in there and snatch him and we're going to go get a cup of coffee. She said, no, you're not walking in there. You've got to buy a ticket. I said, I'm not going to stay. I'm just going to walk in and bring him out. And she goes, you want to walk in that door? You're going to have to pay a Pay, pay, buy a ticket. So I bought a ticket. I walked into that theater. It wasn't crowded. My eyes adjusted, and I saw him. And, and, and then I sat down. You know, it's a, like a really weird sensation when you're in a movie theater and there are not many people, and all of a sudden someone sits down next to you. And he looked over at me, and he went, oops. I said, you want to go get a cup of coffee? He said, yeah. So we left. Reputation. Someone could have been in the mall watching me buy a ticket and walk into that X-rated theater. But it's not about me. It's not about my reputation. It's about rescue mission. It's about going after him. He was married with children. He did not belong in that theater. 
But there's a risk. You're going to get dirty. The next time we continue with this series, Reg is going to talk about the second of the two seeds in the agricultural metaphor, and that is the word of God, a seed. Let me quote a text I received from Reg this last Thursday. He said, after the memorial service for Chad Silvius, I got into a conversation with someone from India. Listen to what Reg said. Because of our fire for engaging everyone. Hear those words? Because of our fire for engaging everyone, we had a delightful conversation, and he concluded his text with this. If our church catches this fire and receives this process and celebration and accountability, Grace Community Church, Community Grace is going to be a force of the gospel. Our pastor is on fire. Our pastor's fired up. I've heard Reg pray. Reg wants God to turn this church inside out. First of all, in our community and to the world. No planting, no harvest. No dirty, no harvest. No death to yourself, no harvest. Let's pray. Lord, God, Lord, this is not easy because we all, we all have got these shells. Fear, insecurities, inferiorities, personalities. But God, I, I ask that you would take this seed bag here in this worship center and Lord, as we go out the back door and into our cars, I pray that you would turn us inside out to our community and to our world. Lord, pick us up, rattle us, shake us. If need be, make us uncomfortable. Inflict us. Convict us. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.